Welcome to the Dad Bod Pod. This is part two of a three-part series of the post-draft analysis roundtable discussion. Previously on the Dad Bod Pod, we were able to cover three teams in a period of one hour, looking at the ups and downs, pros and cons, the good, the bad, but mostly the ugly of a team's draft, or at least our analysis of it. In part two, we're able to cover seven teams, including the mystery of Sumner's draft. Was it auto-draft? Did he queue up players or positions to draft first? Or was it divine intervention? You'll find out on today's episode. But first, we start with my team, Zach's team. Enjoy. All right, Zach. Uh, Looks like a good team. All right, moving on. (laughs) Actually, I want to spend time on... So this Fournette thing is just funny, but a lot of ink has been spilled. I want to spend time on Julian Edelman because he's the quote-unquote number one in New England. Jamie and I talked about this idea that Bill Belichick might be trying to tank the season uh, with all their COVID exemptions, but Cam Newton is apparently looking better than ever. And he's got to throw it to somebody. Like, everyone's been down on Julian, but is it possible that he's just a PPR machine? Like, who else Who else do they have? Cam Which makes a him half a machine in this league. For our loyal listeners, we're talking about Zach's team now. Trey Coe would say that uh, expect Cam to overthrow Julian a lot. Oh, interesting. Because he's always shuffling back. He's yeah. Sometimes he's throwing off balance a lot. Um, you know that probably that running style uh, predisposes or predisposes him to that. But I, I just trust the guys that watch the player week in week out as a as a some, from a fan perspective. So from Jamie's perspective, I trust Dak right. For from Danny Dimes, I trust Yusef. You know, um, to Rob. But is Trey still is Trey still a fan since he's no longer a Panther? Um, I don't know if he's a fan, but I think he was expressing these concerns while he was a Panther. So, um, and Edelman does, if I'm understanding you right, like he, he's more of a button. I love that you guy. call him Edelman, by the way. Edelman. Yeah, we say Edelman, but it's fine. <laughs> I like it. Edelweiss. Edelweiss. Betelgeuse. He's more of a button hug guy. I think. The wild, fun wild card, I'm not obviously changing fandoms, but it's just interesting being here in Arizona, getting some of the ether, is DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray, and whether the Cardinals are this year's Browns in terms of hype, like, oh, like, you know, what it was for Baker Mayfield and OBJ last year is what the Cardinals feel like this year, and I got really do they have, Do they have that hype? Um, maybe you're maybe you're more cognizant or aware of it. I, so it, I I paid a little attention to it when the mock drafts had DeAndre more coming to me in the second round and Kyler Murray as like this one to look out for. And then the ADP shifted and I was like, I got burned by the trying to stack the Browns last year. Oh. But it could be really interesting. Everyone's like, it, at least here, yeah, everyone's hyping up Kyler Murray's developed and he beefed up and he's fun and he's a wild card himself can, and they got he can he can throw uh, it you know, he can throw the ball yeah and they got nuck and they got um Kenyon drake and chase edmonds and everyone's like chase edmonds is a starting three down back in this league mm. so 
But then again, everyone said the same about the Browns last year, and that they shit the bed. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm slightly nervous given the change situation. He's not he doesn't have Deshaun throwing to him. He's on a different team. But for for having DeAndre, who had a first round season last year, to to fall to the third round. I mean, I remember trading. So I had Zeke three years ago, and I traded Zeke to Jamie for or no vice versa. I traded DeAndre yeah. for Zeke. So to have both of them on the same team at the same time, again, maybe I'm living in the past, but I'm I'm curious to see what he will do in Arizona. I'm excited. Zach, I like your starting lineup a lot. Your bench leaves a bit for me to desire. <laughs> maybe that's because Adrian Peterson's sitting there. Yeah, right? my the whole the whole uh combo of my Fournette auto draft pick and then AP getting cut, all in the news surrounding both of them in the past two days has just been too much to handle. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I've kind of enjoyed it because, like, normally I see like news stories like that, and I'm like, that has nothing to do with my team. I don't care. Um, but now, yeah. I'm right in the right in the thick of it, there's some good buzz on Alan Lazard because someone's got to be the second wide receiver in Green Bay, and now that Rykel Armstead is. Is on the COVID list, Chris Thompson. Someone's got to be a running back in Jacksonville. Bless you, Caleb. Bless you. You know, Zach, I think your team's fire. I think I told you that uh, pre-pod pre start. Um, I think you have an awesome team, and that's coming from somebody who mock draft like crazy in the, the slot right next to yours. So you're probably – I think your team is the one team that I would go like – if I had to exchange teams with any team – I think I'd, I'd pick yours. Um, yeah, also super grateful that your your starting lineup can look like that, even with the loss of a fifth round pick. Because if you, if I, I'm kind of scared to think of what your team would look like if you were able to exchange Fournette out for someone else. Um, yeah, exactly. The, the thing, the thing, the weird thing was I was also spending a bunch of time because I didn't like anybody at like where that fifth round pick was like who I probably would have drafted there would have been Zach Ertz. And now he's got contract talks. And like, so I, I and, and, you know, I got Darren Waller uh, a round later. So I don't feel like I would have feel, I would feel a lot different. And I feel like the upside that he has with the bucks, I would have never drafted that because it's super risky not being on the team, but yeah. I'm kind of grateful that I have the upside to look forward to. That's yeah. I, uh, Without a game being played, Zach's is one of those teams that, like Caleb was saying earlier, is one of those, like, I'm a little scared of that starting lineup as it reads now for 2020. Um, I don't know if that's a good segue to go to Caleb. Yeah. Caleb, why are you going to win the championship? Well, (laughs) I don't know that I can convince you all of something I don't believe myself. Drew actually (laughs) uh, shadow picked for him. That's why. Uh, Yeah. So I feel, I feel like there's some upside. I to be honest with you, else? this is a this is a team that maybe for the first time I don't think I picked entirely out of my priors, out of like what I've seen in previous years. Players do really well. Derrick Henry is the exception to that. Uh, my first pick was pretty much exclusively done because because I've of what he, he has done to you. Yeah, yeah, I've been burned two years in a row. His Jacksonville game specifically. Oof. So I feel, and I mean, it, the combination of that plus being uncertain or not totally trusting in uh, the New Orleans, like I don't think Kamara gets 
he doesn't get the full carry load every time. Um, and Drew Brees is, you know, going to get his touchdowns too. So I, I wanted to pick someone who was going to be the guy. So I feel good about the Derrick Henry pick. Um, I, the only the piece that I feel the most nervous about right now or that I don't love is Aaron Rodgers. And that feels like when I saw him still available in, I don't know where I, I got him, maybe the 10th round, I have the draft results up. It wasn't early. You got him in the 11th round, 120. Okay. Yeah. So we were out of the, like the tier one quarterbacks anyway. So I feel pretty, pretty good about where I got him, but I, um, I think I had him for a little bit last season and just feel a little bit hesitant of what we'll actually see consistency wise. Uh, I think he'll still have some, some big games, but I, uh, I don't, I don't think he's going to be someone that, invokes fear in anyone um, and i, I kind of feel similar to that aaron to run the ball too much yeah but i don't know like they ran the ball a lot last year and then instead of drafting a wide receiver and the deepest wide receiver draft that there's been in the past decade maybe they grab uh another running back in the second round so right and rogers just... has someone looking over his shoulder too so i want a team that's going to air it out you saw that? Did you see the interview of him saying that he just grabbed some tequila after the first first round, so that he knew it was going to be a long draft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. I want to know what do you guys think about Keyshawn Vaughn now with Fournette? Should I just drop him? Let me crowdsource this. Yeah, I. I think he's droppable. I don't think he's going to do much at this point. Too crowded. I really so I I picked him too early, um, admittedly. So he was too early in the 13th round. I mean, it's pretty much a wash at that point. Yeah. Between the third, between like the 12th and the 15th round, they're all the same round. Those, I thought those I got him much that earlier are, than that. So then, yeah, I don't, feel, for the waiver wire. I don't feel bad about that. Um, but I, I was bummed to see, to see Fournette come to Tampa because I, I kind of felt like, like Ronald Jones hasn't really done anything. Uh, to to make you think he's going to be their lead back for the entire year. So well, it's it's funny because because Arians is saying that he's the guy, but then after or I guess before saying he's the guy, they drafted uh, a running back the third round, and they signed Lashawn McCoy, and then they traded for or not traded, they picked up and signed Fournette. So there, there's clearly something not jiving with. Yeah, and I felt Rob excited. I, I don't know. I felt excited about this sleeper of like he's he's a rookie. He's like maybe he's going to get some touches and do really well and just end up taking over as the lead back in a backfield that hasn't really had someone who's like head and shoulders above the rest for however many years. But now that feels increasingly unlikely, and so I think you'll see him on the wire later, and you'll see Tyrod on my bench with lots of hope and little reality. <laughs> I like your um, I like your tight end depth. I think Gronk is a great number two, because um, if he hits, he's going to be great trade bait in those initial weeks, and you're probably capitalizing on him before he gets injured. Um, so I would <laughs> you know, Gronk is a part of a trade, not quite an Eric Kelly trade, um, as made infamous by Zach a few years ago, if you recall. Yeah. <laughs> what did I? What, what was that trade? Oh, it was it was something predatory. I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I felt really good about that. Yeah, yes, as one would uh, poaching someone's bench right before the playoffs. 
But man, I like I like that those pickups. I thought that was good depth. And obviously, if he hits two, he becomes you know becomes a great flex. You know, I mean Gronk, if he if he finds that same chemistry with Brady and and the end zone, which he's had for so many years, and because of the lack of preseason stuff with Brady, might might be a uh, you know there might be more more logic behind that than most think. That, uh, that they, yeah, they just, I was hoping for that familiarity to yeah. carry over. And Gronk's gotten some good reports with uh, having taken some time off and is maybe like actually going to be starting at 100% for the first time in a very long time. We'll see. I He feels like a, a little bit more of a, I don't know, he could do absolutely nothing and I could drop him in four weeks and that's fine. But Hail Mary. I, I wouldn't feel... Yeah, at least he's actually on a team. I mean, remember people drafting him last year when he wasn't even on a team, just on the conjecture that he would come back. Yeah, that he might sign. Yeah, I mean, he's like yeah. the dominant positional player ever, right? I mean, he's a guy that, uh, in his position, in his like heyday, there's just no one that's been like him from a dominant perspective. So, I don't know, man. I think it's a good roll of the dice. Yeah, he's a. Tra- I'm really. Uh, I'm really curious to see what Matt Burita will do. Sorry, just looking at the pick before Gronk. Yeah. Like, what is Miami? They just dropped Rosen. They just released him. Oh, man, I kind of like that. I hate Rosen. (laughs) (laughs) And is Tua, though, like, is he going to be able to come back, or are they just going with Fitzmagic until the magic runs out? Supposedly Tua is healthy, but I don't think that – I doubt he will start this season. That's crazy. Oh no, yeah, they I think already said that Fitzpatrick's their starter. Um, yeah, I don't see how you can not roll with that dad bod. No, you got to ride it until the mad the magic's uh, out. Yeah, he's got he's got. If you think about the physics of it, just like throwing that weight around across his body, it's gonna be like just mm. seventy yard bombs to press. It's like a good golf swing to press. Dad bod that's right. Swing. The extra, nice. the extra velocity to Preston Williams is just gonna be incredible. Hey Caleb, one one more thing before we move on. The um, I noticed that you pick up defenses and will ride with them, and you have kind of a knack for picking up some pretty good defenses. A la last year when you picked up the Patriots, Patriots. they plumbed. and Pittsburgh's got they were scary. Yeah, they got a lot of great buzz this year. I'm curious if you're going to go at least back to back with that strategy, grabbing it. You know, you had, you had to grab them fairly early to do it, but they pay off. I think that that's it's primarily luck. If I'm being honest with you, they uh, <laughs> they were probably the week that I chose them. They were probably the most projected points, and then they did really well, and so I I kept them. Uh, I think two years ago I was just rotating them, picking like the best one available each week, and not really feeling too tied to them. So I feel. The yeah, the beauty of that position is maybe that I just feel the most detached from it. I feel like if they, if I drop them and they have like a thirty point week the next week, I, that doesn't emotionally affect me in the same way that it does with like one of the skill positions. Or maybe like most business like like the GMs on Hard Knocks that bring it in, it's like, hey, we're gonna let you go today. Yeah. <laughs> real. Exactly. Really love Cut it. right to the chase. Exactly. Yeah, that's the defense philosophy. And I think we'd probably all be better fantasy players if we did that with our other positions as well. But uh, it's it's just the easiest to disconnect for defense for me. Yeah, one last thing I want to say about Aaron Rodgers. 
to defend my quarterback selection um, is that the there's still so much depth on the wire at that position. Mm-hmm, and so I yeah. feel I feel totally confident that I'm going to end the season with someone else that is giving me like 20 points a game and that's that's fine. So I increasingly see that position too as like plug and play Screaming. for yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can pick up a guy and play matchups every week at the quarterback position. Definitely, if, it really feels like between like once you're below QB six, there's like a two or three point differential for the next like twelve guys That's each right. week. So, well, the challenge is picking the right ones that are in that next six. You're you're it's a I mean I I agree with you. But it can be a frustrating experience of rolling the dice and picking the wrong. That's what I did last year between Wentz and I forget who my other Stafford. Yeah, it was trying to pick between Wentz and Stafford on like who was going to have the better week. And similar to Seth, always picking the wrong one was such a frustrating mm-hmm. experience. Dude, I'm a big fan of non-girlfriend Aaron Rodgers. When, did when, they, when did he they break like up? The mix. I just like how he, he does it, man. And I've I watched a lot of Aaron Rodgers over the years. And when he, he gets focused and, you know, like gets the lady out of the picture and with all like the chip on the shoulder crap in this off season, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes and hangs a couple 30, 40 point games. So I don't, I mean, well, he's not hanging on anything else. So. Dude, uh, <laughs> good word. But man, I, I just, you know, <laughs> so wait, he, I mean, he's got to be feeling, he, He's almost like kind of like Brady this year. Like there's only there's a small window to. He's got this chip thing, right? Because it's like you've only won one, but you're like the greatest quarterback of your generation, and he uh, he's got to he's got to win soon and often. He's a competitor, man. He's ridiculous in those competitive settings, man. He just he's got a different gear. That, that do you do you think he do you think he starts the duration of the season if he's healthy? Rogers? Yes. Do I think he starts as a like QB like one through twelve or no, he starts for the Packers. That they that they will not relinquish his starting position to their newly drafted first round pick. Oh no way. They would never do I mean, think yeah. about the strategy of the Packers for the past thirty years. Right? Yeah. It's about like all it's about getting somebody in the pipeline and developing them. And I think Rogers had three years under Favre before he got out of the mix. Favre had, had you know a year or two under Editors Bell in Atlanta, I think, before he got traded. If I'm remembering that correctly, so you know finding these players that have had some time in the league and not rushing them into form is great. I mean, Rogers is still Rogers. It's not like Jordan. Yeah. From what I'm hearing from what Jordan loves doing in camp, it's nothing that Rogers should be scared about. And uh, yeah, so, I don't know. I think there's an understanding that you know Rogers has with the organization. He's still he's probably pissed off because it felt like it wasn't what was best for him. But that's why Rogers doesn't win championships. It's because he gets massive contracts, whereas you have the Breeze and the Bradys that are thinking more team oriented. And you know, Rogers is a little bit more of an individual individualist, and so that's kind of paying the consequences of that. And um, I think maybe the team sent him a message for that. Um, I don't think it's, you know, I just don't think, you know, uh, the Packers GM and um, Packers management is, is above sending messages like that and also showing that, like, hey, we're we're trying to be here for, like, the long term 
and we're about the organization as a whole, not individual players, which, I mean, that's maybe how it should be. But, maybe, I mean, that's my own opinion. Yeah, and if he doesn't start all season, I'm in a lot of trouble having drafted Devonta. Um, Steven. Steven, you know, I'll just start out by saying for all the mystique we put on him and his app, he just missed out on the, the top-tier playoffs last year. So I think a lot of that, that was, was a big Saquon's injury. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, Mahomes was out for a couple weeks, too, if he doesn't get that weird dislocation. Um, I think it's, That's it's right. possibly a different That came different at a bad for time for him. Saquon was as sure of a sure thing his rookie year as Christian McCaffrey was last year. You know what? But yeah, Seth, what did you think of Steven's app? How did it draft this year? <laughs> and not only that, didn't Steven leave? What round did he leave in and put it he on did. auto draft? Uh, I'm just going to say the like eighth or ninth round. Oh, no. Did he leave that early? Yeah. I, I assumed he took Justin Tucker because that seems early for a kicker, but. And yeah. he's got a I mean, he, couple other questions. He picks up multiple yeah. tight ends to fill out his bench and <laughs> a defense. So And Mike Williams and Debo Samuel are both definitely – And Mike Williams and Debo Samuel are both question marks for when they return right now. Yeah, but it's sounding like they're more optimistic that, I mean, both of those guys could potentially play week one. So – I think there'll be factors early in the season, if not week one. I think uh, Steven's got a team that, I don't mean the snarkily, I'm just looking at it kind of with fresh eyes. He's got a team that an app told him to draft. Um, no, I mean that like... There, that was never in question. There's a... Uh, there's, Offer some new analysis. Yeah, there's... This is just a good right down the middle good team but also with some you know if he had nerded out like maybe some of us maybe he doesn't pick mark ingram and and what i'm saying here is i wouldn't have picked mark ingram i I would have picked mark ingram maybe not that early but so yeah exactly meaning he's going on the adp that's in front of them so if I take Mark Ingram, then I'm trying to reach around early for J.K. Dobbins. And then in that case, I feel great. Exactly. Because in, in case Dobbins does take that job at some point through the year, like, okay, fine, you don't need Ingram at that point. And the Ravens rushing offense is just insane. And I hate so, when people say J.K. on my reach around. I was about to say that was, oh, that's sad. The Reverend, Zach, edit that the out. Reverend, edit Reverend it. is here. Nailed it. This is a family-friendly show. <laughs> wow. Please leave that in. I'm not the one who said it first. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Do, does this team look good to you guys? I don't think this looks very good. Nah. But so I that, wonder if maybe I just don't know enough. I think there's some weird question marks just because... Gibson, Gibson all of a sudden looks a whole lot better being drafted in the ninth round. So does I don't know how good. I mean, the the Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team's offense doesn't will likely not do anything this year. So, yeah. yeah. Short answer is like yes, it looks good. Um, Mark Ingram, there's a question mark of whether or not like he just turns to dust at same, some point. I think same thing with Devontae Parker. I feel good about Shark. Um, 
but you know he's you had him last last year year. yeah Yeah. so i mean he's only done it one year but um but the the jacksonville offense like either that's all they have or they have like or they will do nothing yeah yeah here if, if you believe in him and if you believe in Minshew, like as the one fantasy relevant option in that offense and like that's really all they have now that they got rid of Fournette. Um, I, I think Shark is a solid. Here, here's what I think about Steven's team, and then I want to stop talking about it. Um, is the thing I don't like about Steven's team is I think this is like Cody's team last year, which is that it's going to hit. It's going to be top six, but it's going to be like four or five, and he's just going to like it's going to feel like he took someone else's spot in the playoffs, but. There's no reason to hate it. There's like, these are good players. It's probably going to hit. I wouldn't have drafted any of them. You know, <laughs> you know what's kind of scary about Steven's app years, which I think it's just been the past two years. I think he started it when we last got together at uh, Matt and Jamie's for the whole, remember, remember everyone had, it was like the last live one. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just sitting there on his phone. Yeah, and Zach, you even came up for it, if I remember, right? You were there as well. But here's the scary part. Last year, and this is a little asterisk next to my second round or second place performance last year, was that there was a uh, trade between Steven and I last year that took place um, that Travis okayed and made a manual movement, right, of players um, after it was agreed upon uh, mm-hmm. what we had done is uh, we had made a trade on a Thursday night. It was supposed to process by Saturday. It said like a two day process, but because we'd started or finalized the trade after uh, the start of the game, it actually wasn't meant to be processed until uh, after all of the games ended. And uh, there was an executive call made um, and I was given points, which shaved Stephen out of the playoffs by I think less than a point. I vaguely remember this. And he supported that. He supported it, which I thought was like a gentlemanly thing to do um, and obviously helped me not feel shafted yet again um, in the league. (laughs) I think I've I've been hit hard on that front a couple times too. But had Steven made it in the playoffs, I think he would have, and in the position I was in, I think he would have won, uh, he would have won the whole league again. Wow. Uh, so that's interesting. I didn't we could be a back-to-back champ if not for like one manual maneuver, so, which obviously the app or algorithm cannot uh, anticipate. So until that was a Mike Evans trade, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was. Uh, was it? No, it was, uh, it was some tight ends. I think I traded him Waller. Yeah, I want to say right. Waller was involved. Winston, maybe right. Winston. But it was late. Yeah, it was late trade. Anyways, right before the deadline. But I just want to give credit where credit's due and say this app, not Steven. I'm not giving it Steven any. App. This app is really high quality. It's worth $5, $6, whatever you pay for it. Definitely. Y'all. Part of the reason I'm, part of the reason I'm, I'm wanting to move on to Steven is because I can't wait to talk about Sumner. <laughs> and I've been staring, I've been staring at his picks and reading just in what I've read this week. At first I thought he like auto filled. First of all, I mean, 
I don't. Maybe we could talk about whether we think he was he was auto drafting the 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 thing said he was auto drafting, but he clearly had like right filled up his queue. Yeah. And at first, I was like, he only filled up his queue through pick eight when he got his first kicker. And I think there's actually some truth to that. Pick nine. But now I'm looking at him, and the way Damian Harris uh, is maybe not going to be available, I'm wondering if he he was ready to go up to pick 12, and that's when his second kicker gets drafted. But setting aside the last for drafting two kickers, he has a very unique draft strategy, but this is not a dumb team. Like, he did something that, A, screwed up my a lot of my picks, and obviously went a different direction than almost everybody because he went quarterback, wide receiver, running back, uh, wide receiver, running back, rookie running back, uh, wide receiver, two Browns wide receivers, which is almost a good insurance play. I just, I wish Caleb was here for this. He seemed to step away. Um. He got bored. I want to say that... Getting that coffee. I want to say that Sumner definitely knew he wasn't going to be here. But there's something... I think what I'm trying to say is, he was like, who can I get for sure, even though I'm not going to be there? So he knew he'd get Mahomes, right? With the sixth pick. He knew he'd get OBJ with the uh, second round pick. Todd... He already tried to flip OBJ to me. He did he really... I got a trade offer. Wow. But he knew he'd get Gurley. Like, all these people he got early and were... Wait, you got a trade offer from Sumner? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So what I'm saying is I think he filled filled his queue with guaranteed people through round eight or nine, if not 12, um, knowing he'd get them in those rounds. They were safe bets, but they weren't stupid bets. I don't know. I... I, I was hoping on Gurley in round four. Um, part of this is personal is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I said mean, in the he, group he meeting, having, having Sumner talk about his draft uh, is the stuff dreams are made of. So I would love some just unfiltered thoughts from Sumner about how how he felt this draft went. In his draft. I mean, he definitely went SEC. I mean that's still a thing. Yeah. Uh, we got OBJ as uh, what LSU. Yeah, and and Jarvis Landry teammates at LSU. DK Metcalf was Ole Miss. Todd Gurley at Georgia. Um, I mean New Orleans in the eighth in the eighth round picking a defense. And he's already been like the most active on the waiver wire. I mean, no one can beat Matt on the waiver wire in terms of total moves, but. <laughs> Jamie, do you want to you want to spill the beans on what this trade offer was of his second round pick? Was it for your fifth round pick? It was close. It was my fourth round pick, straight Whoa. up. Straight up. Wait, what was your fourth round? Uh, AJ Brown, Ole Miss guy. <laughs> He's trying to get that Ole Miss. Hold on. Yeah. Wait that a second. Is... And did you accept? Did you? I did not. I'm I'm pretty high on AJ Brown this year. Um, so I've seen him go into third Brown round a lot. Will have a, will have a better year than Odell Beckham. I think he has a higher ceiling than OBJ, and you know, 
we hear about the injury and OBJ had surgery in, in the off season. I think I'm just a leery, a little bit leery of, you know, without having OTAs and like a full off season, like, is he a hundred percent healthy? The Browns were a train wreck last year. They brought in a new coach. They ran the ball a ton in Minnesota last year and I was burned on Steph Diggs. So I think there's just a lot of question marks there that, you know, I, I feel good the way about um, how my draft broke. And I feel like Adam Thielen is a pretty like solid target option. Who's going to get the ball a lot and kind of be my safe play that I can shoot for a little bit more upside with AJ Brown. And if he's able to, you know, put up some of the efficiency numbers that he did last year while increasing volume. Um, I think he's got big time potential. Well, let's, let's stay there. Let's stay on uh, Jamie. Why are you going to, why are you going to win the league since we're, since you're next up? Can I ask Last real quick Sumner thought, because we should transition right. though, is right. a, an added meta thought is that he's clearly paying attention. He's offering trades. He's rejecting trades. He stacked his queue, even though he was probably on service that night on call at the hospital or whatever it was. And yet he's the only member who's not in the group me, not doing everything. He's just, he's this puppet master from the beyond. I just appreciate how he picked a guy. He picked Evan Ingram and then a white guy that looked exactly like Evan Ingram. (laughs) (laughs) Dawson Knox on his roster, you got to check out how similar the pictures That's are. Right. They both got the curly locks. I mean, yeah, Caleb, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree. I don't, I don't think it's just based on ADP. I, I think that like, there's no way that this, this draft would have happened if, if it was like auto draft. based. That's on what I'm saying. He, My main point is for the Mahomes pick, the like player uh, rankings that you can put in, start with him, started with him as number one. So I'm, I'm wondering uh, if that like supersedes whatever. He the didn't do he, so, so he may have, may have put like a positional, some kind of positional preference in for like QB QB first. No, I think or, it's it's like the yeah, the first like the default player rankings, which is different from ADP that you can like modify right. for your auto draft. The default. Is a li- it's basically a list of like top right. quarterbacks. They have this thing called like the X rank and then like the overall point rank, but it, I still don't know that it. Jackson. Jackson making an appearance on the pod. Sweet. Jacks. What? That's $5 right there. <laughs> All right, Jamie. I'm gonna, I got to step away for a few minutes, but uh, I'll pay Sumner $5 to appear on the pod. Ooh. That's that's an enticing offer. Since I'm sure he, I'm sure he, that I'm sure he not only listens but definitely made it into hour three here. Yeah, we're only we're only at ninety minutes so far. So this is going to be a two part pod. This is this is way better than I was that's expecting. Right. Uh, am I talking about my team? Yeah, do it, Jamie. Am I supposed to talk now? Yeah, yeah. Tell us why you're going to win. You felt you said you you felt good about how the draft broke for you. Yeah, I did. I I think we all talked about how it didn't go exactly how we were expecting. Um, I'm a little bit iffy on Dalvin Cook, so I was really hoping for one of those top six running backs. Um, and with the Mahomes pick right in front of me by Sumner, I was able to get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, that was great. And then was shocked when Miles Sanders fell to me. And I think both of those guys can be true. You had him last Dal- year, didn't you? 
I did. Yep, and he didn't do much until like week 12, but then I think the last, you know, four or five weeks of the season, he was like RB6 or 7. So it was my all my bench points really screwed me over. Um, but I had a pretty decent team by by the end of the season. Um, so yeah, if, if Miles Sanders, like they didn't bring in any running back help this year and all the reports out of Philly are that he's, he's going to be a bell cow. So I think both of those guys are in pretty good offenses, good offensive lines, have a lot of, um, capability receiving the ball as well. So was pretty, pretty excited to get those two running backs. Cause I think like once you do get past like James Connor and Chris Carson, um, there is a pretty big drop off. So I like the two running backs start at the beginning. And then um, my next two picks went wide receiver. I got Thielen, who I think, you know, he could get 150 targets this year in Minnesota with Stefan Diggs gone. So I think he's he's just going to be a really consistent presence there. And then A.J. Brown, once Tannehill took over the starting job in Tennessee, um, his numbers were insane as a rookie. You see a lot of those year two wide receiver jumps. Um, so if he can take that next step this year, increases volume the efficiency is going to come down um, but he he just did some insane stuff last year so betting on talent and upside there and then in the fifth round i was shocked to see zach Ertz fall this far and with jalen rager um, i could have taken him before you had i not been on auto draft but yeah um so i in a lot of my mock drafts i didn't take a tight end until the end um Mm -hmm. and then i just took two dart throws on like high upside guys there but i mean zach Ertz is most likely the the number one receiving option in philadelphia right now and carson wentz um you know their offensive line looks atrocious though it 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 doesn't look great they've definitely had some big blows there um but they do have a very offensive minded coach and um, they're going to move the ball even last year when Carson Wentz had no options. Um, you know, they had two running backs putting up top 10 numbers and Zach Ertz just does it every year. He's a consistent option. And in the fifth round, yeah, give me that. And then T.Y. Hilton, um, counting on a ba- bounce back year for him. Um, nice reports, out train, reports out of training camp are that he looks healthy. Um, I think Phillip Rivers is a much better fit with him um, and maximizes his potential than... Jacoby Brissett had last year. Um, once again, outstanding offensive line there. They're going to be um, a lot of running weapons there. So play action and things like that. Um, you know, they're TY could be positioned for a big bounce back year and he's not old. So it's not like an AJ green situation or Emmanuel Sanders guys that you just need to like hit at an older age. Um, he's, he's still a stud. So hopefully he can stay healthy and bounce back. And then Josh Allen, I think there's a lot of questions about whether or not he's a true franchise QB for the bills and the jury's out on that. Um, but he is a great fantasy option um, because of what he brings with that big play potential with his arm. And then the rushing upside is definitely there. So um, if Steph Diggs can unlock him a little bit on the passing side and give him another receiving threat and he continues to run and score touchdowns in the red zone, um, could be big there. And then the bench is just upside guys. So um, we'll see if any of those hit, but I like some bench there. 
Zach Moss, dude, can't can't express again how how high I am on that pick. I just think that is such a good pick. You went you went a little earlier than I I was hoping you'd go, but I was I appreciated that you you wanted you rushed after him and got him because I think he's gonna. And honestly, that was because Robert sniped me on CD Lamb the pick before. Like CD was absolutely where I was going with that pick, hmm. um, and I I got sniped on all of my Cowboys. Um, I told you, I I think Dak is going to be QB one. I think all three of their wide receivers are going to go over a thousand yards. I think they just have a ton of potential CD lamb looks like a superstar. Um, So like, I I think you could get similar production out of Gallup and CD lamb as you're going to get from Amari Cooper, but you're getting those guys in the fifth and eighth round as opposed to the other ones. But yeah, I got, I missed out on deck. I missed out on the three wide receivers clearly had no chance at Zeke, but I missed out on Jarwin. I missed out on Tony Pollard. I couldn't even get Greg Zerline. So it was very sad for me not to get any of my boys. Is that a bold prediction? The three receivers over a thousand yards this year, or is that, um, is that pretty, uh, pretty well received in, in the Dallas camp right now? Yeah, that's th- those are things that, like those guys are on the record as saying like Amari and CD and Dak, like that's, that's the expectation for the guys in camp and just based off of talent and opportunity, like it's not absurd for it to happen. I think the last time it happened was in Arizona um, with Bolden Fitzgerald and Steve Breston, I think was the third one. Wow, that's amazing. So, I mean, it's, it's been a while since it's happened. Um, but when you look at, the opportunity, like Randall Cobb almost got to a thousand yards last year. Um, yeah. And if some penalties hadn't brought catches back and touchdowns off the board, like they would have had three 1000 yard receivers. And I think CD has just as much upside as, as Randall Cobb was giving him last year. And then they also vacate like 50 or some plus targets, maybe even 80 targets from Jason Witten. And, you know, if you're, looking at a 38-year-old Jason Witten or a 22-year-old C.D. Lamb, um, which guy do you want with the ball in his hands more at this point in their careers? So C.D.'s also going to get some of those catches as well. They vacated catch it? Are you saying, like, Witten's... Targets. So, like, 160 passes that Dak threw last year went to Randall Cobb and Jason Witten. For a second, I was like, did he do something wrong to vacate catches? No. Like they do with like college coaches and NCAA. Like we're taking away these hundred wins from Jim Beheim. Yeah, exactly. For illegal recruiting. Um, do you think Dak is actually a good quarterback? That's totally tan- total tangent. No, yeah, I, I think Zach. Um, that Dak is an awesome quarterback. Like I, I don't really see any argument for him not being in the top ten of quarterbacks, and. Like I, I think that's more than enough to win you a Super Bowl. When you see guys like Nick Foles and you know even Jared Goff getting to a Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo, um, you know you can get there if you have a good enough team with game managers and you know guys who just aren't going to lose it for you. And I think above and beyond that, like Dak has shown that he can make plays that put your team in a better position to win. He's not. Pat Mahomes, but I mean, come on, how many guys in this league are even close to Patrick Mahomes? So I think anytime you have a top 10 quarterback, 
And between Troy Aikman and Tony Romo, I can tell you what the wasteland of quarterback fandom looks like. Um, you recognize when you have a good one, and, and Dak's a good quarterback. Jamie, when are you going to pick your defense? Uh, I mean, probably before games start would be my guess. Bold, bold move. You never know. You never know. Risky. It's like Matt last year, right? He didn't draft a, either a defense or a kicker, if I remember correctly. Yeah, sounds speaking, right. Speaking of which, a little little recap back to, to Sumner. So Caleb was doing some research, and he's got some background noise, so you can't talk as much. But um, he he is of the uh, based on his research of the opinion that Sumner's picks were Yahoo auto draft based based on their auto draft system. Um, that uses their rankings um, to fill out positions as opposed to Sumner pre-queuing up a bunch of, of players um, based on the the way that it determines how to quote-unquote balance or pick, pick positions based on balance positions, even though balance is relative since it gave him three tight ends and two kickers, but also gave him two quarterbacks. So basically started to fill out bench spots for each of his positions yeah. at their highest rank according to Yahoo's rank. Gave him two good so. quarterbacks. Yeah. That's fascinating. I'm, Sumner, hey, please come on the pod. I'm com- talk to us. I'm compelled by that. Um I guess what what other running backs were available before Gurley and his third pick? Well, let's see. Uh Before you mean after Gurley? Uh, yeah, so Jonathan Taylor, Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon, Mark Ingram were the guys that went after uh, Jonathan Taylor. Curious of that. Yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, but he picked Odell before Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, DeAndre Hopkins, Juju Smith. Oh no, he was after Odell. Uh, I wish yeah, it would give yeah, us the Yahoo yeah. rank on this. Cause, yeah. All right. Sumner. Yeah, just a mystery box. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, going back to Jamie. Yeah, so that's my team. I, I think um, the two guys that dropped me in, Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz, are what I was most excited about. And then really sad that I got sniped on all the Cowboys. Um, fifth, sixth round, really got sniped on a lot of my targets. But TY was... Nice consolation prize. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna throw a little shade on your team, Jamie. I'm gonna. Just, I, I just similar to some of the comments earlier. I look at it and I'm not. I'm not really like. Who am I afraid of? I mean, I think Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards-Helaire could both be top five running backs. Wow. Yeah, I've been, Clyde Edwards-Helaire is just such a rookie running back performance historically. Like it's such a roll of the dice. Could be great. Could be okay. More than likely, will be okay. Growing into a better role over the course of the next two to three years. Um, but rookie running back in an Andy Reid offense, and with Damian Williams opting out, I think it's a very different outlook if Damian Williams is still there, especially with his playoff and Super Bowl performance last year. But I mean, they're not going to give Daryl Williams it, 15 it, touches a game. Like. But in an Andy Reid offense, I mean, you look at just totally riding the hot hand slash 
if anybody makes a mistake, then you're in the then you're in the doghouse like LaShawn McCoy for however long. So and the likelihood of a rookie making mistakes is pretty high. Well LaShawn McCoy was like he was like in geriatric world by the time he got to that, that offense, you know? And so I'm not sure. I, th- I think, I think I'm siding with, with Jamie, with, uh, with Clyde, man. I think, I think he's going to hit and it might take a, a week or two. He may not come out of the gates like Kareem did with new England. Um, a few years ago. I mean, if nothing else, you could at least trade him for like the entirety of Travis's team. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about doing that once I got him, securing him and trying to flip him to Travis. Um, but I, I did like the start of him and Sanders, and I, I think they've, it, it's the rushing and the, the receiving ability for both of those guys that I really value in running backs. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Guys, want, want to talk about Robert? Do it. Let's talk about Robert. I Mr. High Ceiling, Low Floor. I my snap judgment is that high ceiling, low floor is a good name for his team. Agreed. Yep. It's um, dependent I, on a few guys breaking big every week and it could go so south. And they're all gonna go real big week one, I'll tell you that. Every single one is gonna have career games. Oh yeah, Lamar Jackson against Cleveland. Mike Evans. Cleveland is that's gonna smash. Be a shootout. The Bucks and Saints. Saying, Brady throws his first five touchdowns as a Buck Week One. Look at this he's just playing me, so I know that he's gonna go off and he's gonna score. A- <laughs> and I'm gonna put up a very, very, very tough effort for my squad, and we're gonna fall short. And Robert's gonna rub it in my face. And that's just gonna how it's gonna how it's gonna go for me in perpetuity. That's right. He's got Tariq Cohen starting because David Montgomery's probably out only for week one. Um, I don't know about Jared Cook and Marquise Brown. That's weird. Dalvin's gonna trounce on the Packers D. We're gonna get. I mean, he's got a lot of homer picks between the Ravens and then guys that he's art that he's had in previous years, like Mike Evans. Yeah, I think Marquise is another one of those year two wide receivers that, you know, those are the guys that do make massive jumps from year one to year two. So I, I think the potential is there for him to absolutely blow up and kind of move into that top tier. But he's also, I think he gained 20 pounds. So now he's at like 180 uh, and coming off an injury. So a lot of question marks there. It could be a good stack or it could just be a zero point flex. I I do want to call that in my two round mock draft, uh, Lamar Jackson to Robert in the second round was the one that I nailed. So I'm going to take my victory lap on that. Yeah. I like Tyler Boyd a lot this year. I think he's going to do great things with Joe. And I think the longer AJ stays healthy, as I said before, it's only going to help Tyler as it has in the past. Good, really good chemistry uh, reports coming out of their camp. But who the hell knows? What's Burrow going to do this year? Is he going to, like, where's he going to finish, you guys think? Uh, is he going to be QB? Is he going to be in the top 12? As no. I think he could be. I, it's in his range of outcomes for sure. Yeah. 
I don't know. Do, I don't know about the Bengals' line play. Do you guys have you researched any of that? It's like average. Is it? So it's yeah. It, it used to be very bad. Now it's it's more like middle of the road. But yeah, I think the Bengals, the Lions are like the two offenses that I think could be a lot better than people are expecting going into the season. And it, it wouldn't surprise me to to see those offenses do a lot better than we think they are. How much regression is Lamar going to experiment experience this year? Is it going to be uh, how how just how steep is that drop off going to be for him, if at all? Isn't it basically Deshaun? Um, Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Isn't it basically yeah, Deshaun? I, like, I'm just saying, like, comparing, like, to seeing a similar drop-off. In terms oh, of, yeah, in yeah. terms of a, like, rush, rush forward QB that is, like, settling into, like, oh, crap, I can't do, I can't do this all the time and sustain a career. I just went to Deshaun Jackson. Because of that, oh, <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Sorry, <laughs> I was like Deshaun. I was like, I don't. Not yeah, Zach, that's crazy. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. How many Shans? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, with Hayden Hurst going out, the, the case for Mark Andrews becomes really stronger because what. Andrews was able to have like that ridiculous year last year and he only had like 87 total targets and Hayden Hurst took like 30, 34 to 37 away. So what happens to those targets? Do they all go back to Hayden Hurst or uh, to Mark Andrews or do they get split up with Marquise Brown and, and Andrews? They go to the backfield, but I mean, who's going to hit? Someone's going to hit in that offense. And uh, I imagine it's going to be a new player or somebody that we're not thinking of. Maybe it's Dobbins. Maybe it's, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it definitely gets spread around a little bit. And I, I think it is a question of how that target allocation is going to break down. Like, yeah. is, is it going to be one or two guys blowing up? Or is it just, you know, the whole ensemble? They They have too many options for teams to to really game plan against. Yeah, people are really talking to Mark Andrews, if that's a segue to Trey, but that, you know, if, sort of like we were talking about Deshaun Watson before, Lamar starts scrambling, dump it off to the tight end. Um, Trey is very strong at tight end. Sorry, I already started looking at him. No, I'm, yeah, and I'm a huge Andrews fan because of last year, what he did for me. I mean, he was just a monster. Every week I needed him to show up, he showed up. Just one of those players you like, you fall in love with. I don't know if you guys have any ones in recent memory, but Mark Andrews is that one for me. Just love that dude. There's so, I, but at the tight end possession, I feel like there's so much uh, change year to year and so much variation. It's hard to think that, like, even my own pick, Darren Waller, he had a great year last year. I don't know that he's going to have anywhere similar to that this year like I feel like you kind of get one to two maybe in the tight end position that have a fairly consistent year-to-year performance but beyond that I mean similar to QB like when was Aaron Rodgers drafted last year where was he drafted yeah like rounds like what three or four right yeah and and then he was drafted this year in round 11 
Yeah, I mean nobody so like just just with four offense. Yeah, the the turn the turnover in those positions from year to year in QB and tight end specifically. So. Yeah, I think it's a little different with Andrews. Um, he's a guy that I, I think could finish as the top overall tight end in fantasy. I think he's got the potential to be, you know, above even what Kittle and Kelsey put up this year. And part of that is they really didn't bring in a ton of guys to take his targets. Um, like Sean was saying, like they shipped Hayden Hurst out, um, which, you know, just shows the level of confidence and the rapport that he's built with Lamar. Um, they looked unstoppable last year. He scored 10 touchdowns or something like that, I think. Um, so you could definitely expect to see some touchdown regression. Maybe he's down in like that six to eight range just because it's, it's tough for tight ends to do that. But I think he's a guy that they're game planning around. And the fact that they didn't go out and sign, um, you know, a major wide receiver and free agency or, or draft a guy super high. Um, they got some some guys late that they liked and um, DuVernay and um, Procise and some, some guys that they got late, but um, you know, it's, it's basically Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, and Miles Boykin, I think is like the top three options in that offense. And out of all of those guys um, because of injury and other things, like Andrews could definitely be the number one target in a highly efficient offense that, put up a ton of points. That was a great, great pick. The rest of his team is, uh, uh, Gallup. That's like a name, right? So you're, when you're thinking of who's going to hit for Dallas, is Gallup one of those 1000 yard receivers? He's got that same, uh, yeah, he's got that same, hype stank on him that Calvin Ridley and Tyler Borden, like a lot of these WR2s are that this chatter that like, these are the wide receivers that are actually going to win you your fantasy, even if they're not the number one. Yeah. I mean the hype, but it's hype. It's just, it's like, what, what's going to come of that? Um, but they, they talk about Gallup the same way as like Ridley. Yeah, and I, I think the expectation is that he could put up very similar numbers to Amari Cooper, who's going two, three rounds ahead of him. Um, especially, you know, Amari's missed like the last 10 practices, and, you know, we're not really sure what the injury situation there is. Um, the coaching staff doesn't sound concerned about it, but, you know, that's that's part of the black box of the COVID situation that we're in. Like, you know, maybe he is really injured and you know you're starting off where michael gallup is the number one option coming into the season and cd's the number two yeah um and gallup's skill set i think also plays really well in the red zone so he could end up with the most touchdowns on this team which wouldn't surprise me so i i loved gallup as a six round pick um i think there's just kind of like a murderer's row of guys that could explode there with gallup and will fuller and ty hilton um yeah Marquise i was really Brown. i was really high on both gallup and and fuller and neither of them fell to me and both i think were grabbed relatively early to their adp i no. i stretched for fuller but we can get to that later I guess I just overlooked Gallup because, you know, he's been there for what he was there. Is this his third year in league or second? Um, I th- This is his third year. Third year. 
he's been with the Cowboys for two years, and I know that there's been hype around him for a number of years, uh, being somebody who could take on that, you know, a bigger role in that offense. And it, it, he did last year. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, he was over a thousand yards last year. Well, how many touchdowns did he have? He had six. Actually, yeah, I'm I'm just off on my research. Um, I totally understand. Yeah, and he he's a guy that. It's not just those volume metrics. Um, you know, a lot of the analytics guys that are looking at efficiency metrics and kind of the advanced stuff. Um, there's a lot of little things that that he does that they also love. So, um, just a lot of lot of hype around him. And then you bring in a guy like C.D. Lamb as well. That and Amari Cooper coming back. That you know he's a lot of times not going to be going against that number one wide receiver. It there's a lot of potential there. I guess I just shy away given the weapons they have right now. You know, that's maybe the only thing I would discount about any of those players. Right? Is you're starting them every week. They could go off. They could totally bust, and you're just not yep. sure which one's going to happen. And then I'm certain. <clears throat> the same with James White. There, you know, uh, speaking of Trey's team, I feel kind of the same way about him. You know, he has those hot games and cold games, depending on what, you know, Belichick's up to. And then Josh Jacobs, I mean, that seems like a solid pick. And then Cooper Cup, man, I don't know. That guy, he's just, injury concerns with him always scare me. Yeah. I know he's hot when he's hot, but he always loves him. Yeah. But when he goes down, I mean, it's like, it's always crushing. I mean, am I making up that he's gone down mid-season two of the past three years? I think that's right. Yeah, he tore his ACL two years yeah. ago, and then did he have some injury stuff at the end of last year? Yeah, definitely. He missed a chunk. I thought. Yeah, I don't. I don't they had a they had an off year, I think, because of those injuries. Um, I just always expect Cooper Cup to end up on Matt's team at some point. <laughs> on Trey's team, but he'll finish on Matt's team. I don't know why. I just always assume that. You know, Kyler. Should we look at the commish? By the way, Trey, I love your starting lineup, and I hate your bench. Your bench. <laughs> no, maybe Jarwin. But yeah, Trey's strong at tight end, but everything else is bench is hurting me. It's like yeah, I'm. It's like I'm he, high on Jarwin. Yeah, it's like he flashed us right before he turned on auto draft. <laughs> <laughs> what a choice of words yeah well well said really did flash us all right all of you can go fall on a well yeah.